This morning, I'm just going to start us off in prayer. Father, we love you. We thank you, God, for your spirit. God, we're grateful that we serve a living God that's just doing many great things. Grateful for your expansion of your body. Grateful for watching you, Lord, save people and then transform their lives and then use them for your kingdom's sake. And God, this morning as we come and, and we begin to look at how you do that, and we look at the, the, the call that each of us have, the place and position that each of us have in your body, in the church, God, we pray this morning that you help us to get some clarity on what spiritual gifts look like and, and what ours are and how they are to be used. And Lord, I pray that you would anoint me to clearly teach this morning your word. God, help me to preach it in the power and demonstration of the Holy Spirit. Most importantly, God, help us to understand it the way you desire it to be understood. God, this is your word, your design. And so we pray this morning that you would give us a special anointing to be able to see it and hear it and understand it and apply it to our lives God, we ask that you'd have your way with us this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We are studying our place within the body of Christ. Spiritual gifts can really be broken down into three categories. I really hope that this morning I can get through one. Next week I can get through the second one, and then the following week, I can get through the third. That's my goal, because I think it'll be easiest to understand that way, but it's going to take some work, and I'm going to have to move as quickly as possible. I want to give you the three categories of spiritual gifts, and then we're going to begin to work through them. First of all, the spiritual gifts of action. We're going to look at those this morning. Secondly, the spiritual gifts of belonging, and then third, the manifestation of miracles. They are all three different things. An action is something you do. Would you agree to that? An action is something that we do. It's a verb. (laughs) Belonging is somewhere that you're supposed to be. It's not the same thing. Somebody might be a great computer programmer, and they have the skill set to do computer programming, but until they have a place to belong and actually do what they're capable of doing, their gift of computer programming goes unused. And so the same principle applies. There are (laughs) gifts of action that all of us have. The question is, and we'll look at that next week, where do those actions happen? Where do I belong? And then in the third week, if we're on the correct time schedule, we'll look at the idea of miracles and um, look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12 in, a, in great detail. So this morning we want to look at the gifts of spiritual action. And I want us to look at Romans chapter 12, verses 6 through 8. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, Let us use them. If prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. Or ministry, let us use it in our ministering. He who teaches in teaching. He who exhorts in exhortation. He who gives with liberality. He who leads with diligence 
he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. I want you to notice that in the context of this scripture here, every one of these things are actions. They are verbs, prophesying, ministering, exhorting, giving, leading, and showing mercy. All of those things are actions. Those are things that we do. And what I want to do this morning is just do the best I can to define what these gifts are and hopefully hit a few things that you might say that resonates with me. Your job this morning is to pay attention and ask yourself, which one of these or maybe even which two of these do I tend to resonate with the most? Before getting into the gifts, I want us to look at verse 6. Having gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us. Something about a gift. A gift is something that someone else gives to another. It's not something we choose. And so this morning, we can't sit around and think, I think I'll choose the gift of leadership. That sounds fun. Think I'll choose the gift of mercy. A gift is something that is given by God to us. And sometimes if we haven't been through some of the stuff we're going to go through, we don't know what that gift is. We're not exactly sure what is my gift, but here's what we need to know. Number one, it is a gift. Number two, God gives them to all of us as His children. God has given us a gift. If you are saved, you have a gift. God has gifted you with an action gift. What is an action gift? It's something that motivates us to do something. If you've ever wondered, I'm a Christian, what am I supposed to do? This morning should be very helpful for you. And what you're going to find is, for example, pastoring... Do you notice pastoring isn't in here? Pastoring is not really an action gift. Pastoring is a position. And a person whose action gift can be mercy might be a great pastor. They might fill the office. That's next week when we talk about the gift of belonging. There's a position. Not every pastor is going to have the same action gift. As a pastor, my action gift is not the same as the pastor across the street. And consequently, the, the, the lens that we look through life is a little bit different. First thing you need to know is, what am I supposed to do? After you can define, here's what I'm supposed to do, then we look at where do you do that? What are the places that you can do that in effectively? And so let's look at, Action gift number one, we'll just work through the list together. Having gifts different according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. If prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. So let's define prophecy. A couple of things I want to note, not only here, but also in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, chapter 13, and chapter 14, and elsewhere in the Bible. Prophecy is a New Testament thing. It's not just Old Testament. 
And yes, the gift of prophecy should still operate in our day and time. And I want to define what prophecy is in the Bible. Most of us, when we think of prophecy, we think of end times. We think of future telling. We think of the ability to say a hundred years from now or in an undisclosed number of years from now, this is going to happen and then the thing happens. To some degree, that's prophecy, but I want to explain why. Prophecy in its purest sense is simply hearing from God and then speaking what God has to say. That's prophecy. And so... In the Old Testament, where we have these prophets who heard from God, and God told them something to speak about the future, and then they said, here's what God says, they were prophesying. But prophecy does not have to be, and it is not usually in reference to the future. Prophecy is simply the divine ability... It is a gift for God to speak a man or woman to hear and then relay what God has to say. You see, it's different than teaching, which we're going to look at teaching. Teaching is studying, correctly getting it right, and then relaying what you've studied. Prophecy is different. Prophecy is the divine enablement to proclaim God's truth with power, and clarity in a timely and culturally sensitive fashion for correction, repentance, or edification. It is the ability to reveal God's Word accurately. And I want to put an emphasis on the word reveal. Prophecy is the ability to reveal God's Word accurately. When something is revealed, it's, it's as if it was there already. It's not new. It's not created. It was already there, but we couldn't see it. And then somebody opens the blinds and it is revealed. People with the gift of prophecy possess this ability, especially with the Word of God, to be able to reveal the the context of Scripture that deals with the heart and the will. Teaching deals with the mind. It's fact-driven. Prophecy deals with the heart and the will. And there is a great need for prophecy in the church. The prominent leading idea of prophecy in the Bible is not prediction. It is the inspired delivery of warning, exhortation, instruction, judging, and making manifest the secrets of the heart. The chief function in the New Testament of prophecy is to convey divine revelations of temporary significance which proclaimed to the church what it had to do and what it needed to know in special circumstances. Prophecy is the ability to look at what's going on, see through all the smoke, hear from God the response, and relay it to God's people. 
That's what prophecy is. The gift of prophecy is an important gift in the church. I want to read to you something that A.W. Tozer said about this gift. For what it's worth, my primary action gift is this gift. This is the thing that motivates me the most. When I think about these things, it makes me want to do it. And what I'm about to read to you is the most significant letter I've ever received. I get a lot of letters throughout the year, some of them good, some of them bad, some of them neutral. But this letter that I'm holding right here is the most significant, to me, most significant letter I've ever received. I just pulled it off the wall right in front of my desk. It's been there since August 13th of 2011. I read this, what I'm about to read to you, I read this at least once a week and almost, I can't want to say every time, but I read this lots of times before I get up to preach. First of all, here's the letter, and it says, Exerted from of God and men. A prophet is one who knows his times and what God is trying to say to the people of his times. What God says to his church at any given period depends altogether upon her moral and spiritual condition and upon the spiritual need of the hour. Religious leaders who continue to mechanically expound the Scriptures without regard to the current religious situation are no better than the scribes and lawyers of Jesus' day who faithfully parroted the law without the remotest notion of what was going on around them spiritually. They fed the same diet to all and seemed entirely unaware that there is such a thing as meat in due season. The prophets never made that mistake, nor wasted their efforts in that manner. They invariably spoke to the condition of the people of their times. Today, we need prophetic preachers. Not preachers of prophecy, but preachers with the gift of prophecy. The word of wisdom is missing. We need the gift of discernment again in our pulpits. It is not the ability to predict what we need, but the anointed eye, the power of spiritual penetration and interpretation the ability to appraise the religious scene as viewed from God's position and tell us what is actually going on. Where is the man who can see through the ticker tape and confetti to discover which way this parade is headed, why it started in the first place, and particularly who is riding up front in the seat of honor? Pastor Joplin, keep fighting the good fight of faith. I believe you are that preacher God has called. We love you. This is a great example of what prophecy in the context of Scripture really is. It is much needed. It is a gift, as all these things are gifts. If your primary motivational gift, your action gift, is prophecy 
you will find that you typically think in terms of solutions. What is the problem? Why did this happen? And what is the answer? You tend to try to see through all of the smoke and all of the answers that the average person might come up with and try to get to the heart of the matter, and your desire is to speak to the heart of the matter. One of the things that marks people with this particular gift in most situations, and I understand I'm using generalities, but in most situations, what I'm going to tell you today is true. Most people who operate with this particular gift are not very friendly. They attempt to be because their job is to speak to the masses in a, lot, in, in a big sense. But the ability and the calling on their life to see past the smoke that everybody else doesn't see past at times can create this feeling of aloneness. And if you look, for example, in the Bible, especially in the Old Testament, and you look at the prophets, those who had this gift to hear from God and then speak what nobody else was willing to speak, they were loners. They didn't have lots of friends. And most people with this gift are fine with that. It doesn't bother them. They don't have any problem with it whatsoever. The person with this type of gift, and I know because I am one of them, has no problem getting up in front of hundreds of people. I've, I have spoken to thousands of people. I've spoke to a crowd before one time of 4,500 people. I don't think anything about it. Nervous level, zero. And I mean that. As I stand here before you and before God, this is what I'm called to do. I don't get shaky. I don't get nervous about speaking in front of people. And it would seem somebody like me would be a really fun, talky public person. On the plane ride home, I will put my headset on and try not to talk to you. And that's the truth. I'm just, that's who I am. I can't, I'm not saying it's right. I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm just saying we're, there's, there's things that you can't be everything. And that's what we're going to see. This is why we need many positions. But that will be one of the distinct marks a lot of times of somebody with this particular gift. They don't, they're, they're comfortable engaging crowds, but they're not comfortable hanging out with crowds. Now here's the, so we've looked at the positive part of this position. There's a great need for us to be able to hear from God in a culturally sensitive way and at times have somebody that has that ability to see through that smoke to the heart of what's going on and just communicate it. The negative side, and every single gift, by the way, does have a negative side. The negative side, often with this, a person that has this particular gift, is sometimes they can come across as callous. And sometimes they are calloused. They don't all come across as friendly or caring because most often people with this particular action gift, their, their action is to move people to repentance. I mean, that's ultimately, really, in most cases, 
where you will see prophecy in the Bible. It's about repentance. It's about warning. Sometimes it is about encouragement and edification. The major majority of the time is about warning. And what's the purpose of warning? It's to get you to change what you're doing and turn around to repent. And sometimes for the person who sees through that lens, they can come across as unmerciful, ungracious. Their solution to the problem can seem always overbearing and hard. It's just repent, turn, repent, turn. So that's the thing that if you have that, if this is your action gift, you have to, you have to be conscious to guard against that. To guard against coming across as uncaring. And so we see here prophecy. Now we see in verse 7, or ministry. This word ministry, in some translations, is translated serving. The word very literally deals with physically helping a person in need. When we think of the word administer, right? Somebody's got a cut, somebody has a wound, and we administer help to them. Um, Ministering can be done in so many different fashions, whether it's helping somebody who's physically wounded, whether it's helping somebody um, that needs help finishing a project that they're doing. Ministering is a really, really big word. In the church, or in the New Testament, this word is always in connection with the word service in the Christian church. It includes all forms of Christian ministering, tending to the body of Christ. Later, when we look at offices next week, one of the offices is actually the office of helps. Most people who possess this gift of ministering, of serving, will find that they gravitate towards that office of helps. Ministering, this gift of God to minister, is basically the divine but the ability, excuse me, to attach spiritual value to the accomplishment of physical tasks within the body of Christ. People with this gift see great value in physically helping accomplish tasks that impact the church in any capacity. Ministering. Someone who is gifted with the gift of service, it's, a great, it's another word for it. They can be used interchangeable. What they typically do is they look at what's going on, and the question is, what can I physically do to help? Do we need cleanup crew after fall festival? Do we need someone to man a booth? Do we need uh, somebody to help run and, and grab this thing from this? Do we need somebody to help put together lessons? Do we need somebody? It's, it's, it's all about what can I do to help? Physically, show me. What can I do to help? And, and somebody with this ministry gift, they will find that they, are, uh, that they find purpose and gratification when they serve. And it doesn't even matter what they're serving in. It's just about ministering. It's just about helping. What's the need? You tell me. And, and, and the reason that it doesn't matter if it's te- helping with somebody 
teach a class or helping with somebody mow the lawn or helping with anything, the reason it doesn't matter is because the primary thought is, I just want to serve. I just want to do something. And if you'll show me what I can do, I will do it. And these people have the ability, this divine enablement to see. They see what they do physically as helping the body of Christ. And because they see it that way, they don't care what it is. And it's my opinion, the Bible doesn't say so, opinion of Pastor Joplin, this is one of the most important ministry gifts that there is. Because it doesn't matter what ministry is going on, none of it can be done all by yourself. We have got to have people in the body of Christ with that mentality of what needs done, how can I help? One of the things that these type of people, you're saying, well, is this me? Let me tell you some more about this particular ministry gift. One of the things these types of people rarely, rarely, if ever, are comfortable with, leading. (coughs) Having the responsibility on their shoulders of figuring out how everybody's going to do what they're supposed to do, making everybody do what they're supposed to do, taking the responsibility for the whole thing coming together and working, and they start thinking in those terms, and it's overwhelming, and they're like, no, 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 no. I don't, that is not me. You tell me what I'm supposed to do. And they're very comfortable with, you tell me what I'm supposed to do. I just want to serve. You need to know that is a real ministry gift. That is a gift from God that's needed within the body. And it is an action gift. If that is your gift, that is the action that God's calling you to is serving One of the downfalls of this type of person, a lot of times somebody with this particular ministry gift will be timid and often experience this. They know a better way to do it, but they're not going to say anything about it. They've done it before. They've helped in this capacity. They know that, you know, there's some... uh, This is an idea that would be really helpful. And often until they learn to fight it off and speak up and learn that just because they speak up doesn't mean they're taking control. Often, this type of person, they'll just be quiet. It doesn't matter if I know a better way or not. I'm just here to help. I don't want to get in the middle of the leadership part of it where we're determining what we're going to do. You just tell me what to do and I'll do it. And that can be a downfall. That can be a negative side of that that has to be fought off. But if you find yourself resonating with, you know what, that is me. And I love to help, and sometimes I do have good ideas, but I'd rather just not say anything and just do what I'm told. If that's you, there's a great chance this is probably the, the ministry, the action gift that God has gifted you with, and you need to be able to identify that and put yourself in places of service. People with this gift typically ask this simple question, what can I do to help? After this, we see he who teaches. Notice that teaching and prophecy are listed right here as two different things. They are not the same. And they are both needed, just as all action gifts are needed. But they are not the same. Teaching doesn't take a lot of work to explain. It is the enablement to understand 
and give detailed explanation of biblical truth. It is the ability to search out and validate truth which has been presented. People that have the action gift of teaching that God has called to teach, they typically think in terms of black and white, what is true and what is not. They typically think in terms of, unless we know the whole truth and get this right, we can't properly respond. And so it's very important that we know for a fact, teachers will use that word a lot in their thinking, it's very important that we know for a fact that this is exactly what is taught. You will find one of the things that separates teachers, someone with the, with the action gift of teaching from somebody with the action gift of prophecy is that teachers do not give themselves near the leeway that people with the gift of prophecy give themselves when it comes to interpreting the Scriptures. Because from a teaching standpoint, it's all about facts. It's all about knowing mentally, for a fact, here's what it teaches. From a prophecy standpoint, we we don't think in that vein. We think about the will and the heart. And so how does this passage apply to the will of man and the heart of man? Teacher says, really we just want to know what it says and let you figure that out. You decide how it applies to the heart and the will. person with the gift of prophecy says, no, I'm going to tell you how it applies to the heart and how it applies to the will. Teacher says, how do you know? It doesn't say that. And so there's that difference while they're still both teaching the Word of God. Someone with the gift of teaching will find instinctively that they cannot rest until they know for sure what something teaches. If God has gifted you with teaching, one of the things that will mark you out is you don't wait to start studying until it's your time to teach. If you wait to study until it's your time to teach, probably teaching is not your call. Because if the gift has been given, it is placed in the depth of your soul, I've got to know. What does this say? And when you hear something that you're not real sure if that's right, the teacher's instinct is, run home, pull open the book, study it, figure out, is this true or not? And until you've figured out the answer, you have a hard time resting and your mind's constantly going. That's a, if that is you, that's a great indication that God's called you, that, that the action gift that God's called you into is teaching People with this gift are students of the Word because they can't rest without knowing first for themselves. The aim of teaching. So the aim of prophecy is the heart and the will. When somebody's working in that prophetic gift, they're trying to get to your heart and they're trying to get to your will. The aim of teaching is not the same aim. The aim of teaching is understanding. Someone who is a true teacher at their core, their desire will be that by the time I'm done, you understand what this says. What you do with it, that's you. How you decide to act upon it, that's you. And most people with the sincere gift of teaching are satisfied if they come to the place of you understand what this accurately teaches. Someone with the gift of prophecy, that's not enough for them. And interestingly enough, the truth is, most people with the gift of prophecy, they don't really care if you understand it or not. They just care if you get it. 
As long as they get to the heart and the will and it brings about the action that they're after, they're not real concerned if you really get it or not. I mean, you got the point, so that's good enough. Teachers saying, no way. They need to understand. And so there's a little bit of difference there. They're both very important. People with the gift of teaching typically ask, what is truth? Where did you get that? Why? If you find yourself constantly asking those questions when you hear the Bible taught, what is truth? Where did you get that? Why? Very good chance that this heart of teaching, this action, the the ministry gift, the spiritual gift of action for you is teaching. One of the downfalls, one of the negative sides of the teacher is that sometimes facts can get in the way of daily application. Sometimes the hunger for just knowing the truth can get in the way of how is this supposed to affect the way that people live. And another problem that can happen with teachers is the feeling of, because I know there's this level of safety that the pride can rise up, and I can think as a, someone could think as a teacher that because they know and they've studied and they've done that and they know all the facts and they can answer all the questions and they can teach anybody anything, there's this false sense of, sometimes you have to guard against, this false sense of safety. That just because you know the knowledge, just because you know the facts, does not guarantee you're above falling and that, you're, that you don't battle the flesh and that, and that you don't come across in ways that you shouldn't come across sometimes. And so that can be the negative side of the teacher. After this, we see in verse 8, he who exhorts in exhortation. Exhorting. That is an action gift. A gift from God. Exhortation. This is the divine enablement to come alongside another person in need of encouragement to reassure, strengthen, affirm, and challenge those who are discouraged or wavering in their faith. Exhortation is the ability to stimulate faith in others. That is a precise statement that I think explains exhortation well. It is the ability to stimulate faith in others. People with the gift of exhortation think, what can be said or done to help this pain, this emotional discomfort that so-and-so is going through? People with the gift of exhortation typically have the ability to look at a bad circumstance, acknowledge that it's bad, They're not blind. They're not foolish. They can see that it's bad, and yet they have this way to speak encouragement to the situation, help the person they're talking to, turn their focus back to Jesus and realize you can get through this thing. You're going to make this thing. You're going to be all right. And people with the gift of exhortation experience the sense of accomplishment when they can take somebody who's truly discouraged and find a way to speak life to them in a way that changes their perspective. That's what exhortation is. And it is a great need in the body of Christ. And I'm going to tell you, in this era of time, in the depressed generation of America that we live in, there is a great need for people with this gift within the body. 
Isn't it interesting when we look at action gifts, right? The things that you're supposed to do. What am I supposed to do? One of them is exhorting. And I have no doubt there's some people in this room that your, your primary gift that God has given you to make a great difference in His kingdom and in this world is a gift of exhorting. And, and you've been thinking to yourself, am I supposed to be a teacher or a pastor? What ministry team am I supposed to be on? And God's saying, quit thinking in those terms. You don't have to be any of that to find people who need encouraged. Go and exhort them, encourage them, and understand that's God's design. We can. I'm grateful for the church. I'm great when I say the church. I mean the um, structure of church that we witness in our era of time. I'm grateful for the building. I'm grateful for classes. I'm grateful for teachers. I'm grateful for singers. We're going to notice singing is not a gift listed anywhere. You're never going to see the word singing anywhere ever when we look at ministry gifts. And we'll deal with that. Singers, teachers, pastors, administrators, secretaries, all the positions, we'll look at them next week. Those people do what they do, but they're motivated by one of these action gifts. You'll find, for example, um, our worship leader tends to have this, this spirit of, in some ways, prophecy about himself, where singing's not enough. He's, he's not satisfied, right, with just getting up and singing to us and putting on a performance. There is something instinctively in him that wants to make sure that we get it, that we understand the heart and the will. And it's part of him, and it's what drives him. That's his one of his possible driving gifts. See what I'm saying? His action gift, the thing that makes him feel like I'm doing what God's called me to do, he works it out through the position, which we're going to look at next week, where he is. But what he does for the kingdom isn't sing songs, it's encourage the saints, if that makes sense. Exhorting. Back to my train of thought here. Exhortation is also aimed at the heart and the will. Would you agree that when we're discouraged, it's an issue of the heart, and then our will is broken, right? I don't want to try anymore. I'm just discouraged. I don't want to do it anymore. I just want to give up. The exhorters, the exhorters trying to get to that heart and get to the will of that person and create faith in them. If when you look at a problem and you see somebody that's hurrying or wounded, you become aware, whether it be through God kind of revealing to you something that's going on or whether it be through somebody just telling you this is going on in my life. When you become aware of someone who's discouraged, if your initial response is, what can I do to encourage this person and get them to have faith that rises up inside of them, your action gift very well may be exhorting. People who are exhorters, one of the things that is a downfall for them, and it's very similar to someone whose primary gift is mercy, is that often they have a difficult time with letting people experience pain which at sometimes is necessary. Sometimes God uses pain. And all of us are Christians that are Christians can say, yeah, you're right. There have been times 
that it's called discipline. And sometimes all of us are like little kids and we're getting disciplined and our heads are down and we're just sad. And sometimes God's trying to do something with us and the exhorter and the person who shows mercy have such a difficult time because their heart is exhorting when somebody's in that place that they have a difficult time letting that person go through pain that at times is necessary for us to grow. When you always see the answer to every problem as let's help this person and let's create great faith in this person and let's change their perspective, very good chance you have been given this gift of exhortation. Next we see after exhortation, he who gives. Did you know that giving is listed as a primary spiritual gift of action? Giving. I want to say for a moment before I deal with giving that all of us are called to give to some degree. All of us are called to be merciful to some degree. All of us are called to be encouragers to some degree. All of us are called to teach to some degree. All of us are called to be these things, but they aren't the things that motivate us. There's typically one or two things that motivate us. But just because I'm not motivated doesn't mean I can't, I'm not supposed to do it. Those whose gift is giving are those who see their giving in the, in the real context of divinely helping build the kingdom of God and further the gospel. If, if when you give, your thought is, Ugh, you are not given the gift of giving. And that's not something to be proud of. But... Because we should all have this serious heart of thankfulness when we're able to give back to God. But someone who has truly been gifted with giving, there's some things that have to happen. You can't give what you don't have. So people with the gift of giving have this enablement, this gift of being able to generate wealth. They're smart with their money. They would rather give it. They actually see giving as sharing. It's not just flippantly, I just give it away and whatever happens, happens. There's this sense of sharing. And when we use the word sharing, we think of being kind and we think of helping, don't we? People with the gift of giving, they see their giving that way. They're not just writing a check, letting it go, and hoping that you do whatever you want with it. I did my duty, I gave they attach true and correct spiritual value to their giving. These are people who realize what a lot of people don't. It takes money to operate. They think about things like, Westar didn't give this church a free pass to have the lights on this morning. Who's going to pay for that? They think about things like, wow, that pastor or this pastor is working 
and doing working full time and also trying to show up and somehow pour himself spiritually into people, this guy needs to be able to focus on ministry. And they see the ability to give to that need as a real spiritual value in building the kingdom of God. It's their gift. And they understand how to generate wealth and they look for ways to give it. One of the important things for people with this gift is that they have an understanding of how their gift is helping. And imagine if, let's say you're an encourager and God's gifted you with encouraging and encouragement and you know it, but you never get any positive feedback. People leave encouraged, but they don't tell you about it. People's lives are totally transformed, but they don't give you any feedback. That would become discouraging for you. Imagine if you were a teacher and you're just nailing it and you've got it right, you're teaching it accurately, nobody gives you any feedback. Nobody says, you know what, here's what your teaching has done for me. Here's how your teaching has impacted the kingdom of God. And all too often, this particular group of people, they get neglected. A lot of times it's out of fear of somebody thinking they're going after their money. But they need to know your gift is changing the kingdom of God. And here's how your gift is making a difference and taking the gospel to a lost and dying world. We need givers. All of us have a responsibility to be tithing. All of us have a responsibility to be doing our part in what we can. But there is a special ministry gift of giving that God gives to the body of Christ. And that gift is as needed in everybody as in every, when I say body, I mean the church, in every church, that gift is needed just as much as all the other gifts. A person with the gift of giving typically asks the question, not what can I do to help, but what can I give to help? And they see value in giving. Next, we see the idea of leadership. I'm going to move quickly. I want to get through the last two here. Leadership. Leadership is the divine enablement to see what needs to be done to set goals and attract and motivate people to accomplish the work of the ministry. Someone with the gift of leadership has the ability to coordinate the activities of others for the achievement of common goals. Somebody with the gift of leadership and somebody with the gift of ministry, those are people that love to work together. And they work really, really, really well together. Because someone in the gift of leadership needs people with the gift of service to help accomplish the things that need to be done. The reference here, and this is one of the things I wanted to cover this morning about this particular gift. The reference is to any position involving superintendence, oversight. There is no special ecclesiastical office attached here. Ecclesiastical is a big word. What ecclesiastical office means are the offices within the church, right? Pastor, 
deacon, um, some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, some teachers. There is no office here that this is talking about. The reason that's important is that women can be, and many women are, given the gift of leadership. The gift of leadership is simply the ability to see the goal, what's the goal, and to visualize how we accomplish the goal together. It's the ability to work with different people. It's the ability to say, you know what, this thing is going to have to happen in order for this project to get done, and in addition to that, we need this thing to happen as well, and so I'm going to get these people, and we're going to rally together, and I can visualize what needs to be done. That's leadership. There's a great need for that in the church. You get a bunch of people who are great at serving, and you put 50 of them in a room, and they don't have one leader in the room, and you tell them the goal is we're going to do this, and they're all like, they'll talk for hours about how to do it, not try to hurt each other's feelings, and and, but you get a leader in the room, and the leader will say, listen, you guys are good at this. This is your job. You guys are good at this. This is your job. Here's what we're going to do. Here's what you're going to do. Here's what you're going to do. All right, go. Break. And, and, and we need leaders. It's a gift. You've got to have them in the church. You've got to have them to accomplish goals. One of the downfalls of, of leadership is that also sometimes they can come across as uncaring. They tend to think in goals. And one of, one of the, especially within the church, one, one of the things that can happen with leadership is that rather than seeing people as people, they see people as objects. And that can be a dangerous dynamic in the church. They see people as part of their plan. And so if this person's feelings are hurt and this person's feelings are wounded, we can find someone else to fill that position. And, and the leader's thought is the goal, right? And sometimes leaders can be so goal-minded that they're not people-minded, and they can come across in a way that, that is not lovely and, and not grateful. But this is a gift, managing, leading, or administering. People with this gift, their main question, when, they, when we talk about problems, their main question is, what's the goal? And finally, we see the gift of mercy. It's, it's, just, it's incredibly interesting to me, the, the variety of these gifts, from prophecy to mercy, giving right there in the middle of them. But all of these are action gifts. And we see showing mercy. Here's what mercy is, and here's how mercy is different than encouragement. Mercy is the divine enablement to minister cheerfully, and appropriately to people who are suffering. It is the ability to identify with and comfort those who are in distress. He says to the one that does mercy to do it with cheerfulness. To do it with cheerfulness. Somebody with this gift of mercy they have this ability to step into a situation where somebody's suffering and while the exhorter is, is instantly going to go for, don't look at it that way, man. Everything's going to be all right. 
the person with mercy is able to just kind of wrap their arms around him and show him the love of God and just let him be and, and do it with cheerfulness. I'm not diminishing your pain. I'm not telling you how to get out of it. I'm, what I'm telling you right now is, brother, it's going to be okay. And I'm so sorry that you're going through this. And I'm here for you any way that I can be. And, and I hate to see you suffer. We all need people like that in our lives at times. There is kind of, the Bible talks about a time to, to mourn. Can I tell you something in my prophetic mindset? I don't know when that time is. I have a really, really hard time with letting you mourn. And it's not because I'm right. It's because that's the lens that I see through. My, my typical response is, uh, quit your crying, get over it, and get up. Don't do the same thing that puts you in this mess. Learn from it and go on. That's, and I'm not lying to you, brothers and sisters. That's my initial response. I see through that lens. person with mercy sees the exact opposite way. And would you agree this morning there's a time and place for both? Would you agree that all of us at different stages in our life need all of these things? And here's the amazing thing about God. God is every one of these things. Perfectly. And what I want us to see this morning is that God is attempting to be these things through us. And we need to be able to, number one, identify what really motivates me. And do that thing. That is my action. Next week, we'll look at where do you do that action, right? The gift of belonging. Where, where does that action belong? As I said earlier, it's one thing to be a computer program. It's another thing to actually have a job. It's one thing to be an exhorter, but what does that look like? Where does that fit well within the body? It's one thing to be a teacher, but where does that fit well within the body? It's one thing to be someone whose ministry gift is showing people mercy. Where are, good, where are some good places that someone with that ministry gift fits in the context of the body? And we're going to look at those things. People with the gift of mercy typically ask the question, how can I make them feel better? That's the question they ask. What can I do to make them feel better? And even if they don't have their perspective changed, if they can just feel seriously, in a real way, feel better, the person that wants to show mercy feels like they've accomplished something and they have accomplished something. God's desire is to be able to express Himself completely through all of us as we embrace the action that He's called us to. This morning, I want to encourage you to do two things as I close. I want to encourage you to really meditate on which of these, did, when Pastor was speaking, which one of these really kind of, that's me. I mean, that's, that, that's, those are the things that, that hit me. And there might be two, maybe three or four, more than likely one or two. You'll find that almost never does someone possess the, uh, and really have the gift of prophecy and the gift of mercy, because in a strange way, they're kind, of, they're kind of contrary. 
but you might find a couple of those gifts that both sort of fit well together. If that's you this morning and, and you resonated with one of these, what I want to encourage you to do is begin to pray, God, show me how to use my action gift. This is what I'm supposed to do. Next week we're going to talk about what am I supposed to be, but there's a difference between what I, where, or where I'm supposed to be, let's, not put, let's put it that way, and what I'm supposed to do. So God, now that I know what I'm supposed to do, begin to show me how that works itself out in my marriage, in my family, in the church, in the workplace. And instead of thinking in the context of, am I supposed to be a singer? Am I supposed to help with Sunday school? Am I supposed to do this thing or that thing? And there's like three or four of those titles in the church. And I don't fit in. Instead of thinking in those terms, begin to think of, if I'm an exhorter, what does that look like in my family? What does that look like in the context of the body I'm in? What does that look like in the context of the public realm and where I go to work? And how do I use this action gift that God's called me to that motivates me? How do I use that in my everyday life? If you're here this morning and you're saying, I don't really know about any of those, here's what I want to encourage you to do. Pray and ask God to begin to reveal to you exactly what He wants you to do. Ask God, say, God, I want to be involved. I want to do what you want me to do. And, 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 I, and I'm beginning to see it's not so much about the position that I do it in. It's about identifying what makes me go. What makes my heart beat? What, when I, what makes me excited when I think about ministry? Is it showing people mercy? Is it giving? Is it serving? And, and, and pray for God to help you get that and develop that in your own heart and in your own life. Next week, we're going to look at the places, the offices within the body. Where do we do the things God's called us to do. And I want to encourage you to read all of 1 Corinthians chapter 12 next week and Ephesians chapter 4. We will look together at these offices within the church. I'm going to close a little different than normal this morning. I'm just going to close this in a word of prayer. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you, God, for your desire, Lord, to to teach us and to guide us, Lord. And, And our desire as a body of believers is to be involved in the capacity you've called all of us to be involved in. God, I pray, Father, that your word this morning resonates with us as your people and that we're able to identify what is my primary spiritual action. God, help us to see that. And then, God, as your word says, let us do them. Let us do them. Let us prophesy. Let us teach. Let us give. Let us lead, God. Help us to encourage. Help us to show mercy. And God, as a body of believers, may we all do our part and may you be able to express yourself in this church and to the world through this church as we act upon the things you've called us to. God, I pray for that man or that woman this morning. God, that Maybe they've given their heart to you and they're saved, but they're not sure what that action is. God, I pray, Father, you'd help them to seek you, God, and to begin to meditate on on these things, Lord, that we've went over today and figure out exactly where do they find their motivation. We ask that you'd use us for your namesake and for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.